0: Well, good morning to all and welcome. We are glad to uh, have a good crowd already started. If you wouldn't mind finding your seat, uh, I'm going to introduce our speaker very briefly and turn as much time as I can uh, over to Darrell Willis. This, uh, this morning uh, presentation during the Bible class is uh, something very, very special uh, to me and to all of those who have any connection at all with Ukraine, and you're going to know a lot more about what really is going on there. Uh, after this bible class time we welcome our folks online we are live streaming since we're in here in a combined adult class during the bible class time and then daryl and i will be sharing the sermon time uh... during our worship assembly and talking a little bit more in detail about the great work overall that eastern european mission uh... is doing i've known daryl willis for a long time uh... since the time that i was in arlington and he has been in Ennis, uh... texas for a for a lot of years we've met on several different fronts, but most recently uh, with Eastern European Mission and the Youth Bible Camps uh, that I was able to participate in for a few years running uh, several years ago that he is still very much uh, connected as a part of Eastern European Mission. And so I'd like for us to begin with a prayer and then I'm going to turn it over uh, to Daryl Willis. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor because you alone are worthy. We sing the song sometime, This Is My Father's World, and it's a crazy world, but it's always been crazy since that time in the garden when uh, humanity chose against you and your will and chose selfishly. um, It has been uh, trouble, and your son acknowledged that, that there would always be trouble in this world, but he also affirmed. Uh, that we can take great assurance in knowing that he has already overcome this world. And so Father, as we uh, uh, hear about the great work, the great challenges, the great opportunities that Eastern European Mission has taken on to try to bring your word and your love to this troubled world, we ask your blessing. Be with Darrell, be with Terry. bless her and bless all of their family, bless all of the EEM family And bless us today, Father, as a church that participates in this great ministry through prayer, through giving, and as we have opportunity, even through participation. Lord, just be with those that are struggling and be with those like EEM that are trying to help. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Fear is absolutely crippling
1: and controlling. It's why our news media uses fear to draw us into watching their broadcasts. Satan uses it to get our focus on this earthly kingdom. And yet, we are seeing people every day in the part of the world we are blessed to serve who are overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope from a Savior who has overcome this broken world. Hope found in the Bible. The Bible. We want everyone to get it.
2: Good morning. All right, you are there. You are alive. Okay, good. All right. You know, it's amazing. People are most alive right before we start. You know, I I notice how that works. Uh, Give you a little bit more about me, more than you probably want to know. Believe it or not, I am by, you can tell by my stature, a native-born Texan. And uh, since I was 14 years old, I grew up in a little grease spot on the map of Texas called Overton. I think you may know where that is. You if you've ever driven down I 20, you've seen the little Overton sign there. That's, that's the claim to fame, population 2,500. I tell people I graduate in the top 40 of my class. Let's not quibble about that, okay? <laughs> oh, I have been in ministry for over, local ministry for over 30 years before I joined EEM, and 18 of those years were in youth ministry, which I affectionately refer to as the Ministry of Wildlife Development. And uh, ever since 2008, I started writing for EEM and then was recruited in 2009 to run the youth camp program that Bill mentioned. And after 2017, we let that group, that uh, program, form its own nonprofit organization called BEYM. And uh, now I am doing the regional director work since 2017. And just recently, they asked me to take East Texas as one of my regions, which I was so thrilled to do because I know a lot of great folks are here in East Texas, a lot of memories. And by the way, if you've been in if you've been in Tyler for a very long time, if you ever shopped at Carpenter Francis Pharmacy, my father was the pharmacist there. So that kind of gives you a little bit idea of my background. Okay, well that's enough of that. Let's just get straight into this. Anya lives as an immigrant. She's from Kharkiv, Ukraine, one of the major cities. That if you've been paying attention, has been bombed, and and by the way, I'm I'm looking at this slide. Is that the right slide? Uh, let's see. Yep, that's it. Okay. Huh? I must have put the wrong slide in there. Yep. Such is my life. Okay. Technology is wonderful, except when it's not, right? Okay. That's that's good. That's good. All right. Anya Liz is an immigrant. Uh oh. All right, there we go. Let me back that up. Oh, let's back that up. Okay. What am I doing wrong? Should I just stay like this and not move? Don't you love it? You needed something to tell a story about, didn't you? Oh, clicker real quick. Yeah, I wanted it back on the other slide. Right, right, yes. Okay, yeah, I have one of these too, so it's just, all right. Well, as I started off, Anya lives as an immigrant in Europe, and recently, well, a couple of months ago, she posted on her Facebook an essay, and I contacted Anya. Anya is a friend of mine, and I said, Anya, did you write this? She said, no, I didn't write it, but another Ukrainian wrote it, and it just expresses so much of what... I am right now, and what I'm experiencing right now. She talks about how she finds her new life confusing as an immigrant in Europe, driven out of her only home that she's ever really known, the city of her birth. And she says, You know, we often, Ukrainians in Europe, we don't recognize ourselves anymore. We look in a mirror and we see a stranger. We've been driven from our place of security and love, not because we wanted to go. We're in Europe, not because we want to be in Europe. We left not because we wanted to find another place to stay, but because we've been driven and because we've been forced out of the land that we love. And then she says this, something broke in us. This is why we look like walking Misunderstandings. She goes on to say that they're like flowers for sale in a marketplace that have just been uprooted and with bits of earth still clinging onto the roots. And while she appreciates the hospitality of the surrounding nations that have been accepting Ukrainians, she says, But the remnants of our former land sticks to our souls and do not give us an opportunity. To be happy in another place. Can you imagine the pain and the hopelessness that overwhelms those who are caught up between a war and their home? The one place that gives them identity. Can you imagine what that must be like? I can't. Honestly, I can't. I have nothing with which to compare that in my own life right now. Another friend near the line of conflict tells me that for many weeks... Actually, this was a few, a couple of months ago because it's changed for her. But she told me that for many weeks in her city, a town of about 700,000, you may have heard of it, Zaporizhia, she said, um, We didn't have any missile attacks, we didn't have any alarms. And, you know, it was good, it was good. But she said, By the end of the week, we felt this pain and we were worn out. We were just exhausted because we knew in the back of our minds it could happen at any moment. To use our idiom, it's like waiting for the other shoe to drop, but for them it's waiting for the other missile to drop in their lives. Marina Nipro, she says, do you know the difference between the explosion that a missile ...strike makes, do you know the difference in the sound of that explosion... ...and the sound of the explosion of a Ukrainian air defense taking out a missile? Ukrainians know the difference between those sounds. They can identify them. She says, that's crazy, I know. But it's our reality today. A former interpreter told me that from a city now under Russian occupation... ...she rec- receives a call from her her nephew... Who's under Russian occupation right now, and she's in a free city. And he says, Marina, I just heard a missile take off, and I saw the direction it's headed. It's heading your direction. Five minutes later, she hears the air defense take that missile out. This is our life, she says. This is what we expect, it's our new reality. Her name is Alisa, and maybe you've seen her testimony before. It's on YouTube. Alisa is a 29-year-old mother of a 2-year-old child. She and her husband, her 2-year-old, and four other family members were fleeing from the conflict zone in their car when they either hit something or something hit them. It threw the car into a ditch, Her and her daughter were hospitalized. When she got out of the hospital 28 days later, it was then that she found out that her and her daughter were the only ones that survived that hit. She says, now my two-year-old knows what bombs are. Boom, boom, daddy's gone. She says, I have to be strong to raise my little girl, and so I compose myself And I hope. There's an idiom in Ukraine. I've heard it ever since I've started going to Ukraine in 2009. Hope is the last to die. And when you think about it, that makes totally, perfectly good sense. Because when hope is gone, what's left? If you lose your hope, there's nothing left. Someone once said that, you know, a strong person can survive 40 days without food, four days perhaps without water, maybe if their lungs are strong four minutes without air, but you cannot even last four seconds without hope. Hope is essential. But I got to tell you, it's not just Ukraine. It really isn't. I know people in, in Austria in Moldova, in Romania, in Vienna. I know people in Greece. And on the tail end of a worldwide pandemic, they are worn out. And the economic downturn that has taken place and the supply chain problems have taken place. And by the way, we like to point fingers, and I'm not, I am not—I don't get into politics. We like pointing fingers at politicians and saying, yeah, it's this politician that caused us. No, he didn't. This is worldwide. This is a whole conflagration of all kinds of things that have been happening. And for the first time, maybe in three generations, it's a worldwide thing that's hitting everyone. And it's not, I gotta tell you, we're not in the same boat. Some of us are in ocean liners. Some of us are in large fishing boats or in aircraft carriers. Some are in small life rafts. Some are just clinging to the floats. But folks, we are in the same storm. We're fighting the same thing. We're living in a weird period of time. Now, I, want to, I, I don't want to do any class presentation without getting into the text a little bit. And so I want to do that for just for a few minutes here. And then we'll go a little bit back further to where we were. But in Romans chapter 8, Paul addresses his readers in hauntingly contemporary terms. It sounds like he could have written it to us today. Romans chapter 8, starting around verses 19, around 22 maybe, going on all the way through 28... He says, we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together as it suffers together the pains of labor, and not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For hope, for in hope we were saved. Now hope that is not seen, or hope that is seen is not really hope, is it? For who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not see, then we wait for it with patience. And then he launches into this strange little discussion in the next couple of verses about prayer. And he talks about there are times when our hearts are so broken or so traumatized or so full that we can't even voice a prayer. We don't know what to pray for. We we can't get the words out. And he says in this strange section... The spirit of him who knows us, he's there. And it's as if he's interpreting the intent of our heart to God, to the Father. And the Father knows what we're trying to say. And the spirit speaks with groans too deep for words. You notice there's a lot of groaning going on in that passage? A lot of groaning. Creation groans, we groan, the spirit groans. And it's okay. He interprets the intentions of our heart and God knows. He understands. Even if all we can say is, Lord, have mercy. Or even to call out his name and that's it. It doesn't come out. But just God, God knows. And then we encounter a verse so familiar... And one that is unfortunately be bandied around. Flippantly, I'm afraid. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And I got to be honest with you. My brother died a year ago from COVID. Middle brother, a little bit just a few years older than me, way too young. My cousin just died uh, from a heart attack last week. Close cousin. And if someone were to come to me and quote that verse, I would smile, I would nod my head, and I would go my way, but inwardly I would be seething, and I'm sorry, but I'd be seething in rage. Because it's not good. My brother's death wasn't good. People you know who have been traumatized, that trauma is not good. And there's no way you make something evil good. And we may have mistranslated this verse anyway. And I'm not going to get into all the Greek because I know just enough of some languages to get myself seriously in trouble and hurt. So I'm just not going to go way into that. But just let you know that there is the Alexandrian text, which is the older text, that some translations use on this verse. The Revised Standard Version uses the Alexandrian text and it reword, it words it differently. Here's how the RSV and the New English Bible, which by the way isn't new, it's 60 years old I think. We know that everything, God works, like in everything, God works for good with those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. This led Biblical scholar N.T. Wright to relook at his own translation and he said, if I'd really thought about it. I wouldn't have translated it the way I did. I would have changed it to this. We know God is working all things for good with and through those who love Him who are called according to His purpose. That changes the whole point, doesn't it? Those things are not good. But in the middle of those things, God calls us to come along beside Him to bring out good, to serve, to love, to comfort in those moments. No, those things are not good. They cannot be made good. But God says, come with me and let's take care of these who are traumatized. Let's love on these. Let's bring redemption to this world. Let's bring redemption to individuals. And folks, that's good news, isn't it? It's great news because God is allowing you and me to partner with him God doesn't need us, does he? I mean, let's be honest about it. When Jesus fed the 5,000, did he need the little boys, two fish, and five loaves? Seriously. No, not at all. He didn't need it. He could have called down manna from heaven, right? Or send an east wind with quail like God did in the Exodus. Did he need his 12 apostles to hand out the food? Again, no, he didn't. But what did he do? He invited them to participate In his great work. And can you imagine how much fun that must have been? (laughs) Hey John, look at this. I'm giving food and it's not emptying out of my basket. You know? God says, come join me. I'm doing something great. And by the way, let me just add this little sideline. Which I should have said at the very beginning. If you walk out of this building today saying, wow. EEM is a fantastic ministry. I have failed miserably in what I'm trying to communicate. Because it ain't EEM. I want you to walk out of here saying, Wow, what a mighty God we serve. Because it's about Him. It's not about us. We're not this smart. He's the one that makes it happen. As good looking as all of you are, it ain't about you either. It's about a powerful, mighty God. Good news. God is calling us. To join him in bringing hope to a world that is broken and groaning in desperation, longing for redemption. But how do we do that? How do we do that? I'd like to suggest three ways. And by the way, you may come up with more. And I'm good with that. And if you do come up with more, talk to me afterwards and I will steal them from you. I have no problem. I'm not proud, all right? Uh, The first way is through prayer. And that's the context of Romans 8, isn't it? context. We partner with God by praying with Him. Now, I used to say, Bill, I used to say God answered prayers in three ways. Yes, no, and wait and see. I don't do that anymore. I don't know how God answers prayers. Seriously, I don't. I used to think I had a handle on that one. I think God is using our prayers in ways we may never under. Stand and we may never see ourselves. It's like, you ever see those big cathedrals in Europe? Those gigantic, you know, Notre Dame. Those cathedrals took generations to finish. And it's like someone saying to this stonemason, I want you to carve this stone this way, and here's the dimensions, and he works. And he never sees the finished product. He dies before it's completed. But he knows that the architect is going to have that in the perfectly correct place. And it's going to be this magnificent cathedral in generations. We don't know. But we pray. Because this is all about God. Even when the prayer, the only prayer you can articulate is filled with questions and a broken heart... It's enough. It's a prayer God understands. Secondly, we proclaim the message of hope. We continue to share the message of hope that God is king, still king, and the story isn't finished. It's still going on. Even in the brokenness, even when Satan unleashes his fury to maim and destroy, God can turn that evil against itself and bring about something that can bring good. And that's what we've experienced over the years with EEM God has constantly opened doors in the middle of adversity knocking down walls kicking in doors and looking over his shoulder at us saying are you coming or what and we just follow on hanging on for dear life trusting him to lead the way finally we provide hope we can provide hope by providing resources to those in need medical supplies, food, shelter, encouragement as you did this year With, I believe, a $20,000 gift this year for Ukrainian aid, all of that $20,000 went directly to humanitarian aid ministries and groups through EEM, people we trusted, but also, of course, providing the Bible. Nearly $2 million, $1.9 million was given to Ukrainian aid. Not a dollar, not a dime, not a penny of that went to EEM. We even paid for the transfer fees. And as those grant requests came in through ministries surrounding Ukraine and through ministries within Ukraine, we've been parceling that out to take care of needs. And people are coming back to us and they're saying, Thank you. You have not abandoned us like so many that just gave at the first and then quit. You're still with us. And thank you for providing the words that give life. Thank you. And now, by the way, we have to make certain now that Bibles are available to fulfill that need. People are begging for them. Our director, national director of Ukraine, Dasha Novakova, tells us that the Bibles and materials are melting out of our warehouse in Kiev. We can't print fast enough. The, re- the request for Bibles in Ukrainian has more than doubled this year. It's just amazing to see what God is doing, even in the midst of pain and adversity and trauma. Last year, our annual distribution was our highest distribution in 60 years at that time. Yes, we're 61 years old. 1961 is when we started. 1.5 million volumes. And did that slide advance? No, no. I'm going there we go 1.5 million volumes highest ever in 60 years and as wonderful as that sound we began this year with 2.4 million requests that have only gone up since the first of the year and it's not just the Ukrainian Bible's because that tide rising the request for Ukrainian Bibles has risen all of the other requests throughout the 30 different nations we serve. And by the end of the third quarter this year, we distributed 1.67 million volumes. We've already blown out last year's record. And at that time, we still had a full quarter to go. I have no way of knowing how many Bibles will be distributed this year. But I do know that this is an opportunity that God has given. And I also know that even if we distribute two million, it won't be enough. Because more and more people are asking for Bibles. In the words of Dasha Novakova, who is our national director of Ukraine, she says, massive Bible distribution continues nonstop, despite all of the terrors of war. They can destroy our infrastructure and even take hundreds of Ukrainian lives, but they cannot destroy our trust in God and desire to serve him. Amen? And you see, people ask, you know, why, do you, why, why are you so passionate about this sort of thing? It's people like Dasha and her team in Ukraine because they when they see the giving that folks like you do and the partnership that you have that keeps them going it makes them more motivated than ever they get excited to know that people in the United States love them that much it's not just those who receive bibles But it's those who are in the ministry of sharing God's word. It just builds them up in ways that you cannot imagine. And now during our fall MDS campaign, Million Dollar Sunday campaign, we're trying to raise $3.5 million for another 700,000 Bibles. And folks, we could obviously use twice that amount and still not meet the demand. It's what you call a double-edged sword, isn't it? you got a great product. People are wanting it, but we can't produce enough. And so, you know, unless God closes the door, we're not in any position of shutting down anytime soon. And we're not one of those groups that are saying, oh, please, please help us because we're gonna, we're gonna, the ship's going to sink. No, this isn't a sinking ship. God is keeping it going, and God is making it strong. For us? No, for his glory. Because he wants the world to see his light. God is opening doors of heart. People are looking for hope. They're willing to explore the pages of the Bible to find it. Whether there are refugees in Croatia like this, these two ladies, grandmother and her granddaughter, who are Ukrainian refugees at the Vrajdin Church of Christ in Croatia, now studying the Bible, holding their New Testaments uh, from EEM, or whether they're internally displaced people in Ukraine, they're willing to explore the Bible for hope. We're hearing more and more reports of baptisms among Ukrainian refugees. The war and loving response of Christians have driven the desire for Bibles and learning about God. And furthermore, those Ukrainian refugees who are Christians have been scattering abroad, sharing the message with them. And many of them who are still in Ukraine are risking their very lives to go into the eastern portion of Ukraine to bring out refugees, to bring out those caught in that, and getting them to shelter, getting them to places where they can be helped, and sharing the Bible with them. That's what's happening in Ukraine. So I have to ask you. And I know the answer is already yes, okay? So it is rhetorical. Will you provide the means to share God's hope? Hope is the last to die. Don't let it wither on the roots of broken hearts. Will you commit to regular ongoing prayer that's the first thing. My wife tells me I shouldn't say this. I say it anyway. <clears throat> She's not here, so she won't hear me. But I, I, I'm, honest, I'm I'm telling you the truth on this, okay? It's not like I was lying on the other, okay? <laughs> no, but honestly, if the only two options were this, you were to walk up to me and say, I have a check for $100,000 for EEM, or I can pray. Well, the first question I'd ask is, is there a third option to that? But if it's the choice between those two, I'm going to tell you keep your money. Because prayer is what it's about. Because God doesn't need it. He just wants people to follow him. Now. I'm hoping he's stirring up those hearts to participate and provide those means. But seriously, first of all, will you continue to pray for this effort? Will you provide God's message? Will you provide the means to share God's message? You know, we in North America have been given so much. Do you know how many Bill, Do you know how many translations, contemporary English translations of the Bible, I have in my house? I do know. Okay, I have twelve. That's not Bibles; that's translations in English, contemporary. I have two antiquated translations, but the rest. Are, well, actually, I have three. I have one of the original 1611 King James versions, which you can't read. You know, the letters are all weird and everything. Uh, King James and American Standard version, but the rest I have twelve different. Contemporary English versions in my house. Do you all know how many you have on your telephone? If you have Bible Gateway, you have 54, I counted. Yeah, 54 contemporary translations. And I know what happens when we go through struggles and we go through traumas and we go through difficult times. Where do we go? Christians. We go to the Bible. And I've seen it. I, I've seen your social media posts. Come on, I know. You know, Going through difficulty and you put out there a, a passage of scripture that you've been thinking about or you've been meditating on or It's been bringing you comfort. See that all the time with folks. Would we enjoy the access to the Bible that we have in our own language and refuse to let others have similar access in their own language? Would we do that? I think the answer to that, from what I know about you, is no. You want to provide it. You want to make it possible. I was uh, in Vienna, Austria about three years ago, four years ago, and I was having coffee with some uh, Iranian refugees who had become Christians. They attend the Danube Church of Christ in Vienna, and they received Bibles, and their reading of the Bible is what led them to Christ. In their native language of Farsi. Yes, we provide Farsi and Arabic, by the way. I have a couple of those out there you can take a look at. Um, and I said, Listen, you know, the Bibles you have have been provided for you by people in the U.S. Is there anything you would like for us to say to those folks? And the young man, Masood, his wife, uh, Mababin, and their little boy, their little infant, Cyrus, Cyrus the Persian, yes, Iran, Persia, yeah. Um, Masood said, oh yeah, tell them thank you for providing the words that give life in our native language of Farsi. And then he said that something that nailed me to the wall. He said, do you realize it is so interesting to be able to read the Bible in your own language? I had no clue what he meant by that. Seriously, I, I don't understand that. Because I've had a Bible in my own language since I was a child. I actually still have my very first Bible given to me when I was five years old. My parents read me Bible stories all of the time. I'd ask my dad, tell me a scary story, and he'd read Revelation 13. By the way, don't do that to your children or grandchildren. It will traumatize them for the rest of their lives. That's where we are. We've been privileged. Let's share that with others. Let's show our gratitude to God for the hope that he gives us. Let's share that hope we enjoy. Let's provide the Bible. And I want to say this. We may say it again in the, in the uh, sermon time, conversation time. But you look at that figure, $5 a Bible. That's been that way for the last several years. And when I say $5 a Bible is what it takes for us to produce publish, and distribute Bibles. That includes shipping, includes everything. It includes our salaries, it includes development stuff, it includes everything, $5 a Bible. Well, we thought that was not going to be the case this year. Supply-side problems, right? Now, we print in Europe. We don't print over here, we don't ship over here. That's way too expensive, and it doesn't help their economy. We believe in helping the economy of the local people. So we contract with their printers. They hire their own people. And it makes them happy, you know, that, hey, you're not just throwing stuff at us, you know, from your place. You're actually engaging us. Well, the chemical used to treat the paper has really gotten expensive and difficult to get. And then you had all of the European companies, businesses, that do their printing in China. Well, guess where the bottleneck came about? China. So guess what they did? They came back to Europe to do their printing. So now we're stuck in a queue with them. So that made print times a little bit longer than we wanted. And some of our projects increased in price by 40%. And we thought, five bucks a Bible, that's going out the window. But God has a wonderful sense of humor. Little thing called the depreciation of the euro took place, and now it's below parity of the dollar. Ninety-eight cents buys a euro. It used to be like one thirty, a dollar something like that. So, guess how much it costs for us to produce a Bible this year? Five dollars. Like I said, we're not that smart. God makes this happen, and he is the one who gets the praise on this. Okay. But what about here? What about Tyler, Texas? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to participate more with EEM and providing Bibles. But what about here? What about prayer, proclamation, and provision, in Tyler, what's that look like? Well, I don't know your context. You know your context. You know what Tyler needs. But I do know that Peter told his readers in 1 Peter 3.15 to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Let me make just one little suggestion for you. And like I say, you may have better suggestions than me. Again, share it with me. But first of all, perhaps before we can share the hope that we have, we need to be acquainted with that hope. And we need to be engaging in the text ourselves. Unfortunately, that's not happening as, happening as much among Christians in the United States, even though it's available. So I would ask you, Reengage in the Bible. Read a gospel a week. Read it all the way through the way it's meant to. And go from there. And just share what you read. By the way, that's not threatening. I share that all the time. I read all kinds of things. And I, say, I usually tell people what I'm reading. Tell people what you're reading. That's just my two cents. So may you immerse yourself in the Bible and find the hope that God points you to. May you experience the hope God provides, the regular, ongoing prayer. May you begin to spread God's love in Tyler, in your community, in the surrounding areas, always ready to give the reason for the hope within you, and may you share that hope with others throughout the world in whatever way you have opportunity. Will you pray with me, please? Dear Lord God, King of the universe, we praise your name for who you are. We thank you for your love and your kindness and that even in the middle of war, even in the middle of pandemics, even in the middle of downturns in the economy, you're there. And you're wrapping us up in your arms. Thank you for holding us close to you. The prophet Isaiah says that you carve our names in the palms of your hands. Like you, it's like you tattoo our names on you. I don't understand that kind of love, but Lord, we accept it. Help us shine that kind of love out onto a world that desperately needs it. Thank you for your love. Thank you for listening to this prayer. And thank you for its answer. In your son's name, we all pray and everyone says, Amen. Yes.
3: want to welcome you to West Irwin Church of Christ this morning. And if you are still wandering in the foyer, which is totally fine, uh, I want to ask you to go ahead and, and make your way in this morning as we begin our time together. Just uh, a couple of announcements, most of which you will see uh, in the bulletin, but a couple we want to put a special emphasis on, remind you, make aware. And the first thing is this. It's not an announcement at all, but rather just something you see in front of you. Uh, a couple months ago, we started uh, collecting in-person physical attendance cards again, just so that we can know who's been here and who hasn't. So in the seat back in front of you, you'll see a couple cards. Uh, one is a blue card. It's an encouragement card. There's cards for placing membership. There's calls for, There's cards for prayer. And then there's a white card. Now, on each side of that white card, if you're visiting with us today, there's a side for you that we would just love to have your information so that we could be able to reach out to you. And then on the other side, there's a side for our, our members. Uh, part of that you can disregard until next year. There's a, a space there for the family table. We'll be bringing that back in January once a month, and you can see a note in the bulletin about that as well. But we just ask you to, to fill those out, and then uh, before uh, our interactive sermon time this morning, we'll have some young men come down the aisles to pick those up. And so that way we just can have a better idea of, of who's been with us and who hasn't and who we might want to need to reach out to. So just want to encourage you to do that. Tonight we have our full slate of classes here uh, at the building, our five o'clock Bible study class as well as our singing class. And so if you would like to come and be a part of those tonight, they'll be here tonight at at 5 p.m. Next Sunday night, you'll see this uh, big blue blurb in your bulletin is our all-church reindeer games. Now you hear reindeer games and It's fine. There's no reindeer that I'm aware of. Uh, Santa will be there, uh, who who has a close connection with one of our families here at uh, West Irwin. Uh, But it's not just uh, for young families. We want to invite, it's an all church night. We're asking everyone to bring snacks, appetizers, or finger foods of your choice. And if you have games you'd like to bring, board games, dominoes, cards, to bring those as well. But that's next Sunday night at 5 o'clock in the Family Life Center. Tonight, I want to share one uh, message for our youth group and their families. Uh, We have our progressive dinner tonight, which some of you might have grown up doing those. I grew up doing those in my tiny little church. There were three of us in the youth group, so we progressed, the three of us, together. But uh, they're going to a couple of our families' houses tonight. And so they're meeting here at the church building at 430 and then Tucker, as the night progresses, he's going to, he'll be in touch with parents to let us know uh, what time they'll be arriving back. It's always difficult when you're driving and going to, to say specifically we'll be here at this time, so I'm sure Tucker will be using uh, his different avenues of communication to let us know. Uh, bring a $10 gift, uh, either fun, goofy or, I'm using his words, goofy or serious, right? That's what we're going with, goofy or serious, uh, for that uh, 4.30 here at the building today. One more, this is just this is of utmost importance, and I say that with the deepest amount of sarcasm. Uh, But at the last ladies' bunco night, uh, Jean Rutherford made it out to her car and eventually realized someone had placed a crock pot in her trunk. It is not her crock pot. It was her car's trunk, but it was not her crock pot. So if you have realized you're missing your crock pot, you think you've gone crazy, you're not willing to tell anyone... That you think you're crazy, there's a lonely crockpot that is waiting for you in the kitchen of the Family Life Center, and so it's not jeans. We won't tell anybody. You can go over there and the you wear put a hoodie on so no one knows it's you, and collect your lonely crockpot. So that is you will not find that in the bulletin. That is just an extra little bit of uh, joy for your Sunday morning. I want to ask all of you to stand with me as we begin our morning in prayer, and then join in song together. Most high and powerful and living God, we are so grateful for your presence in our lives and for your presence felt in this room this morning. God, we thank you in the highs and we praise you in the lows, in the valleys where we know you are still present with us. God, we humble ourselves before your throne as we gather as a body of faith this morning to be encouraged, to love one another, and to spur one another on towards good deeds. God, I pray that we would be the people that you call us to be, not only in the hour that we gather together on a Sunday mornings in this room, but more so in the time we spend away from this place, that your spirit would fill our hearts and our lives and guide our thoughts and our actions. We're grateful for this time together. It's in Jesus' most holy name that we pray. Amen.
4: Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go Anywhere with peace we get this world below.
5: Just to let you know, uh, year-end contribution will be in a couple of weeks. It'll be uh, December the 18th. The specific uh, details will be given to us by Wade next week, um, but it will include uh, renovation to the Family Life Center and uh, and to some foreign mission work. Church, I, uh, I just want to commend you. You are a... You are a generous congregation in the good times and uh, and actually in these uh, recent strange times that we uh, we faced. A few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of spending some time with our Hispanic speaking church, Iglesia de Cristo. Uh, they are doing well, and and they wanted me to tell you, thank you. Actually, they said gracias. For your continuing support of their work in reaching the gospel to the Hispanic speaking community, not only here in Tyler, but uh, they have mission work going on in uh, in Mexico. We are the brothers and sisters in Christ, and we are only separated by our language. Uh, just a footnote: uh, when you're there, do try the pork tamales, A few weeks ago, uh, Eric led our staff devotional. He read a favorite scripture but asked that we hear these words as if it were the first time. I've been thinking about that and uh, I would also like to try that. This time just listen to these familiar words with with your ears but I ask that you hear them with your heart. Imagine you were attending the church at at Ephesus, and we received a letter, a letter from Paul. Picture the excitement in the of hearing these words for the first time. I'm sure, much like as E E M takes their Bibles to the Ukrainians and other people in Europe, it must be exciting. Paul, uh, Paul felt these words were. Important to these churches in Ephesus, and God wants wants West Order to also hear these and to know his gift. For by grace, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your doing, it is a gift of God. And because, and not because of your works, for lest you might brag or maybe boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for our good works. Which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. God gave us this responsibility to tell the world that Jesus is his son. He died on the cross, yet he is alive And is active in our lives. We must tell this story. We must tell the story of salvation to all. Would you pray with me? Lord, we we thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you. Thank you for the gift of salvation you, de- you delivered by Jesus through his life, death, and, and his resurrection. We know that Jesus is alive, and, and he will return from heaven with a cry of command to gather the believers. We will meet in this unimaginable place of eternity, but for now, we can comfort one another with these words. And Father, we also want to pray for those in our church that are in difficult times. We have many. Father, we want to pray pray for the Davenport family and their loss of Frank. We also find out that Mary Lee will be having surgery and we pray for her and we have so many. Lord, Jane Posey and several in the Rutledge family and Father, we're always remembering our little Eli and Aiden, but so many more, Father, the Collier family, Durham, Fred. Father, we're thinking of the Cobb family and Joyce and the Brandon family, Rex, and how we miss our Ralph and Barbara, Aline and Nita and Roy doing much better Father but we pray for additional strength for him and Pat and Susanna Jim Gibson and Brianna we ask for strength and help for Kelly and Sue and, and our brothers and sister Wayne and Bitsy and Tommy and, and Jenny Father we just uh, we pray that you will bless them provide the mercy that they need, and we ask that you give them the peace that they need. And we're also always mindful for the care work, caretakers in, that, uh, in their families. We also know others uh, that are not listed in our bulletin, but they are listed in our heart. Those that are depressed and stressed with life issues, it could be health or children, marriage, or, or even failures in our life's expectations. We also are thankful for the EM, and Father, I want to pray now for Darrell Willis and, and the EM. and We're so thankful for them and him and their work, and uh, Father, in helping desperate people Find hope in their despair. How difficult. Father, we, uh, we also want to recognize and thank you for giving us our country. We are so blessed, and we know it. We are blessed with, with uh, so much, especially freedom, that we enjoy. Thank you, Lord. For as Job learned in his life, we must must just trust God. He is in control of each situation. Father, I pray, Father, that by your mercy and through your grace and love, that eternal life and joy is promised. And it's so... To know that we have that promise as your children. We thank you so much for this service, for this time, and that you love us so much. And we ask it in your son's name. Amen.
1: Good morning, everyone. It's another Lord's Day, and I'm very happy to be here. I'm very happy to see all of you. Forgive the sound of my voice. It's a little gravelly, but, you know, we'll be okay. Since it is the first day of the week, we're commanded each week in the Bible to remember the greatest favor that you and I ever received in our life. It's a favor that we didn't reserve, or a favor that we did not deserve, rather, one will never be able to pay back, but that's when our Lord and Savior took it upon himself to be nailed to a cross for my sins and for yours. That's a tremendous favor. He didn't need to do that. He did it for me, and he did it for you. We're asked every week just to remember that. So at this time, before we partake of this bread, let's go ahead and pray, shall we? father in heaven as we gather around your throne we thank you so much for the sacrifice that your son made for his love and for your love by allowing himself to be crucified on that horrible cross and the terrible death that he endured but we know father that he did this because of his love for us and because of your love for us as we partake of this bread may we do so in a manner that you find acceptable and pleasing may we never forget this wonderful favor that was done for us, one that we'll never deserve, one that we never can pay back. And we thank you so much, Father, for the fact that your son was willing to do this. And we're so terribly sorry that it was our sinful nature, my sinful nature, the sinful nature of all of humanity that made it so necessary for your son to go to the cross. Father, we love you. We thank you. And as we partake again, may we do so in a manner that you find pleasing. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we partake of the fruit of the vine, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ, let's have a prayer together. Dear Father in heaven, again we gather before your throne and we thank you so much for the blood that your son Jesus shed on our behalf. We know, Father, that he didn't have to do this for his own sake, but he did it. He chose to do it, to wash our souls whiter than snow so that we may have forgiveness of our sins and live eternally with you in heaven. Again, Father, we thank you for the love that your son had for us. We thank you for your love in allowing your only begotten son to be crucified and die in such a horrible, painful manner. As we partake, may we do so in a manner that you find acceptable and pleasing. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. it's a pleasure to be here today it's good to see everybody here especially if you're visiting with us this time uh, we have the honor and privilege of giving back to the Lord a portion of the, the material blessings that he's bestowed, bestowed upon us when you give to a cause whether it's uh, all, some of the ones that we like to give to the literacy council or uh, some other things what you're doing is you're setting people up for success but when you get back to the Lord, you set people up for spiritual success. You set them up for eternal rewards, if they'll do their part, of course. And the Lord loves a happy giver. And I'm always happy when I give back. I'm pleased to do that. And I hope you are, too. There's many ways of doing it. You can put it in the, the plate as these gentlemen pass through the aisles. You can do it via uh, the mail. You can do it online. There's so many ways to do it. But just please do so. You'll be happier you'll you'll like yourself better and again you're setting people up for spiritual success eternal success with that in mind folks let's have another prayer dear fort dear Lord we're so happy to be here today we're happy to be alive we're so happy for the fact that we live in a free country where we are uh, able to worship your name without the fear of persecution uh, we thank you so much father for the fact that uh, we're part of a a kingdom that is composed of people who are like-minded. We respect the Bible. We respect your word. We love humanity. And at this time, Father, we know it is our privilege to give back to you a special portion of the, the blessings that you bestowed upon us. We know that everything we have comes from you. And as we do so, may we do so cheerfully and willingly. And, Father, we just thank you so much, again, for all the blessings that we have Because of your generous, your generous nature, your kindness, and more than anything, Father, we thank you for the spiritual blessings we have through your son, Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.
5: It's time for our last program. If you're involved in that, you may be just dismissed at this time. And if, if everyone, please stand with me. We'll sing before
2: our visitation time, lesson time, learning time. Lord. Lord the
0: And welcome. Um, I want to introduce my friend and co-laborer in the gospel, Daryl Willis. Daryl and I have known each other for a long, long time, and Daryl is with Eastern European Mission. Our church is very familiar with EEM, as we call it, Eastern European Mission, and we're going to let him tell a little bit more about EEM a little bit further in the, in the presentation. I do want to let you know that there is a display booth out in the foyer uh, Daryl has several things back there, including some uh, translations of Scripture that EEM has used, but also uh, copies of their newsletter and some bookmarks, and we encourage you to take one of those home and uh, use it and read it and pass it along if you like. But this is the latest edition of the mm-hmm. newsletter, so I'm glad that he brought some of those, and I hope that you'll uh, be willing to pick, uh, to pick those up. But please
2: don't pick up the Bible's. Okay. They got to go with me. All
0: right. (laughs) That's right. The Bibles end up in my office. No, not really. (laughs) The Bibles are there, and I I would encourage you to uh, look through those. And um, one of the things uh, that I did yesterday, I sent out an email to our church email list and included a link to a uh, uh, story about uh, the children's chorus from Kiev that is here in this country. They're going to be performing at Carnegie Hall. But they were in Grand Central Station, and someone uh, obviously had a bunch of someone's had a phone out and recorded them singing in Grand Central Station, the Carol of the Bells, uh, which actually was written by a Ukrainian. (laughs) And so I hope that you'll click on that sometime later and be uh, listening to that. Another thing you can do if you would like a little bit further update on the situation in Ukraine, Daryl spoke at our combined adult class Earlier, and that was live streamed, and we welcome our live stream guests at this time as well. But that will be in our archives on our West Irwin Live Facebook page and also on our website. And so, if you want to look at that later, I encourage you to do that. It's a very stirring uh, presentation and a wonderful information and a reminder of the great difficulties that they've gone through, but also the great faith and courage and opportunities. Uh, that we've seen in ukraine and so before we get to some questions specifically about eem and all the good things and wonderful things that god is doing through eastern european mission daryl i wanted to address the elephant in the room uh which is just to ask you what's what's going on in ukraine right now as far as the the situation there and uh, also the things that are, that are being done just in uh, Ukraine okay, and in the refugees from Ukraine. Sure.
2: And, and there, there is a distinction uh, that sometimes people don't get. They say refugees, and they think just all Ukrainians are displaced from their homes. In Ukraine, it's called IDPs or internally displaced people. So if, you're, if you are in Ukraine and you've been driven out of your home and you're at a, a center or living in temporary housing, then you're an IDP, an internally displaced person. You're a refugee if you've left Ukraine and you're in one of the surrounding countries or somewhere in Europe. Uh, so th- those are the difference in terminology. So you may hear me say IDP. Um, that's just an internally displaced person. This is way we can separate the differences between the two. Uh, at this point in time, uh, the latest figure was... November 29th that I've been able to to find, 14 million Ukrainians are out of their homes. Mm. Now that's a population of 44 million in Ukraine. So 14 million, about 8 million of them are refugees and the rest of them are internally displaced people. So here we have people that have been just driven from their homes, uh, if you've seen Mariupol, the city of Mariupol, 400,000 uh, population, it is nothing but a rubble right now. Uh, Kharkiv uh, is being bombed regularly. It's close to the Russian border. Um, Zaporizhia has been experiencing 700,000 population. towns, has been experiencing all kinds of things. So it's an ongoing situation. I follow those Ukrainian news regularly. Mm-hmm. It's ongoing. It's um, ongoing. We don't know what the end game is going to be. Uh, it's certainly not going the way Russia had planned. That's for certain. Uh, and Ukraine has a lot of good things uh, in its favor at this point in time.
0: But. And I appreciate that. That is amazing to think of that many people out of their home, in country mm-hmm. or gone, uh, outside mm-hmm. of the country. I wanted to ask you just to briefly address, very quickly, the money that our, you know, of course, in the United States, we make a political football out of everything, and certainly (laughs) that's happened in this case. And we hear all the news stories back and forth uh, about the money that our government is sending to Ukraine. Mm -hmm. I'd like for you to uh, remind us and say something about differentiating between the money, for example, that we sent earlier Mm -hmm. this year for humanitarian aid and uh, the money that we send for EEM's mission for Bibles versus the money that we hear talked about on the news all the time.
2: Right, right. And that's always a concern, you know. I mean, we saw what happened in Haiti a few years ago. Huge problems there. And I am not one to get into the politics of that because, you know, I'm assuming, for the most part, good intentions. And we just know that sometimes large, large organizations have challenges in distributing funds. Um, You would think that wouldn't be the case, but that is the case uh, often. Um, So the difference between uh, giving to people that you trust, that you know have a track record, and giving to large entities, government entities, things like that, is that you can actually follow through with that. You can actually see what's being done. Um, With EEM, what we've done with the money, we've raised $1.9 million this year just for Ukrainian aid. And this is one thing that we, and there will be a little bit of change change next year, and I'll I'll tell you what that is here. Uh, But this year, we knew that we could not ignore the humanitarian problem. Uh, We're not a humanitarian aid group. It's just not what we are. We publish, produce, and distribute Bibles. That's who we are. We know how to do that. We are not, for us to do humanitarian aid would be like reinventing a wheel That's unnecessary because there are many humanitarian aid groups, church ministries, mission groups out there that are seriously taking care of those on the ground level in need. And we know who they are. Mm -hmm. So, But we knew we couldn't ignore this. So one thing we do know how to do is also raise funds. So we said, okay, we will raise funds that will go 100% to humanitarian aid groups that we trust. So we get the word out, and these groups, ministries, churches, various groups in the surrounding nations of Ukraine and in Ukraine submit to us grant requests. Our Ukrainian staff are the ones who manage those funds. They review the grant requests, and they have, by the way, they have a vested interest not only being Ukrainian, but they've been refugees twice. Well, actually, they're an internally displaced people Once Um, because our offices used to be in Donetsk and in 2014 they were driven out of Donetsk and we had to set up offices in Kiev but for about a nine month period they were all over Ukraine Mm -hmm. and so this is very traumatic for them and it's very important to them that true humanitarian aid is given to the most effective groups so they're examining on the ground who these people are they're sending grant requests do we know them Uh, Do they have a good reputation if we don't know them? Do we know people who do know them? Mm -hmm. Is what they're proposing something that is a real need or is it just a good idea? So all of those factors go into that and our our Ukrainian team are the ones that are overseeing that. So, and the change that we're gonna do for next year is quite simply is we pay for the transfer fees. We don't take a dime, a nickel, a penny out of those funds. They don't go to us. We just pass them through. And so the problem with that is, since we're paying for the transfer fees, that's taking funds that really need From to be Bible. go to Bible. So next year, and we're going to continue it next year, next year we're going to take out transfer fees, the exact cost of transfer. But that's it. The rest of it goes 100% to,
0: yeah. You know, Darrell, I, I appreciate that. And I think of the uh, two great commands that Jesus said. You know, mm-hmm. when asked what is the greatest command, well, it was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. But the second, like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And as I think about Eastern European missions uh, mm-hmm. work over the past year since the bombing started, you've been doing a lot of both of those. Continuing mm-hmm. to serve the will of the Lord and the word of God and giving that out and also loving neighbor yeah. and being willing to uh, help. And we're very blessed at mm-hmm. West Irwin. Um, individually and as a church to be involved. Well, and
2: I will throw this in there real quickly, is that it is a triple-edged blade for us. You ever see those fantasy knives where they have three edges on them? Yeah, it is that way. Because one is, is that we can't use any of those funds because we promised that we're not going to do that, you know. And the problem is, is that uh, it's increased the desire for Bibles. Right. And so we've doubled uh, requests for Ukrainian language. Even the Romanian Bible Society and the Hungarian Bible Society are asking us for Ukrainian language
0: Bibles. They don't right. have any. Because they have people there yeah. from Ukraine.
2: And then right. we have had some donors that have given large, money, uh, large amounts in the past that said, oh, well, this year I'm just going to give totally to Ukrainian aid. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that much less that we get to Bibles. Right. And it's sort of like, okay, if you're going to do that, please give what you give to EEM but then over and above give to Ukrainian aid. That's right.
0: Well, I appreciate that, and Ukraine is in the news and on everybody's minds Mm -hmm. and and in our prayers, and uh, we appreciate everything EEM has been doing to help Mm -hmm. and will continue to do. So uh, so a few questions about Eastern European mission, particularly. First of all, who are you? (laughs) There are some folks here that are very familiar with EEM, some folks here that when we say EEM, they're wondering what in the world that means, and so Okay,
2: yeah, and EEM's been around for 61 years now, and what you're seeing up there are the original seven couples that uh, I think one couple may be missing, but anyway, that's the original ones that started EEM back in 1961 when the Berlin Wall went up. These, and they don't quite look like it, (laughs) I don't know if it's the style or not, but these are kids, We're talking, right. they just graduated from ACC back in the day, Abilene Christian College. They were like 20 years old, 21, 22 years old. didn't have children, and they moved to Eastern to Vienna to go into uh, the Soviet Empire and to, to evangelize. But what they discovered when they did that was that there were no Bibles because the Bible was being outlawed. And if you had a Bible, you could be persecuted, you could be hit with economic problems, you could be imprisoned, all kinds of things. And one of the founders, Gwen Hensley, who later became president of EEM, and his wife, Gail, he traveled throughout Romania. And he came back from this particular trip, and Gail says, with tears in his eyes, he told me, he said, Gail, I've been in entire cities where there's not a page of the Bible available. And preachers don't even have a Bible. Those who are evangelizing don't even have a Bible. How can they teach God's word if they don't have the written word to teach from? And then he said, if it's God's will, and I believe it is, I'm going to make sure that everybody in Eastern Europe gets a Bible in their own language. He called it his impossible dream. He loved the man of La Mancha, okay? And, uh, but he's, while he called it the impossible dream, he believed that we serve a God who makes all things possible.
0: And how many specific employees do you have with EEM?
2: Okay, I'm going to jump to um, a figure real okay. quickly. We distributed 1.5 million last year. We've been doing over a million a year. Our production staff is six people. Um, that's two part timers in Vienna. We have a total of under under thirty. I did a count, recent count there, under thirty throughout the world. We're talking in U.S. We're talking in Europe, mm-hmm. and so that's that's our size.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eastern European mission has always been about more of the hands on work of printing. Translating, printing, distributing Bibles than mm-hmm. administrative things. And you have to have some of that, but I, it's always one of the things I've loved. And the, the work itself is overseen by an eldership, correct?
2: Yeah, A&M, uh, we, we are board-led. We do right. have a board. Right. Uh, but A&M, Church of Christ, is our spiritual oversight.
0: Mm-hmm. So We have a few Aggies in the congregation, so that's a, another reason for you to love E E M. Uh, now, West Irwin has been around. We, haven't, we didn't start from the get-go, mm-hmm. but not too long after that. And I believe you said that we, the West Irwin Church has been giving since 1996. Yes, yes. And the figure you gave me is over $600,000 has been yes. given by the West Irwin Church family uh, in that last 26 years or so.
2: And thank you very much. Uh, that is a powerful impact.
0: Right. So. And that includes a $20,000 gift that we gave earlier this year specifically for the humanitarian aid yes. that you spoke about. And, of course, we uh, have been uh, contributing monthly as a part of our mission, overall mission work uh, to EEM uh, as well. So, that, so that's who you are. Uh, what do you do? Okay.
2: Well, now we used to smuggle Bibles into the Soviet Empire. By the way, did you you get 84 Bibles in a spare tire?
0: 84 Bibles?
2: 84 Bibles will fit in a spare tire. An ex-drug smuggler taught us that one. <clears throat> anyway. I've
0: seen the tires on some of your trucks. I think they could fit more. I probably
2: can, yeah. That, that was back in the day.
0: Yeah. I'm just saying.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but now we deliver Bibles by the tractor-trailer load. Uh, we, sometimes we cross borders. Sometimes we don't have to because we're printing in the country. So, right. so we are printing within the countries, within the regions, helping their economy. We produce Bibles and distribute Bibles. This is our mission statement. We share God's word with the people of Eastern Europe and beyond and seek to educate and inspire God's, uh, God's servants in this work. And it's all summed up in our vision statement. And I don't know who came up, with. none of us know or remember who came up with this vision statement, this tagline, but they didn't get paid near enough is all I can say. (laughs) The Bible, we want everyone to get it. And that is exactly who we are and what we do.
0: Right, right. And I I love one of the mission uh, uh, verses, specific purpose statement verses for Eastern European mission that you've always used is Isaiah 55. Verses 10 11, which says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's right. And I, and I know that you have no idea what... Is done with the vast majority of the millions of Bibles that you've handed out, but you know that promise from God is standing.
2: Yeah, and and that's partnered with the Mark chapter four, the parable of the sower, right? Which is you know, and you look at that story; it's the closest thing to an allegory among the parables. Uh, parables, and um, in it you have this farmer throwing seed onto all kinds of soil, and there's a couple of things I notice. Number one, the focus isn't on the farmer. The focus is on the seed. That's right. And secondly, he is so sloppy. I mean, what an indiscriminate farmer. He's just throwing seeds out there, you know, and he's not sampling the soil to see was this good soil or not good soil. And that leads me to think that if we did all that research and study on the soils, well, number one, we're not very good at that. Mm -hmm. And number two is who gets the credit. Right. You know, we want God to get the credit, so, and we never know. That's uh, right. This, this may hit somebody that we're looking at. No, this guy will never be interested in God's Word, and they're the very one right. that it, it just touches their lives. The
0: way Paul put it, I planted the seed, Apollos watered, God, God gives made the it grace. Mm-hmm. God gives the increase.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Uh, and, of course, this year, uh, uh, you know, I again, that two-pronged um, mission that EEM has taken on this mm-hmm. year. One, to give the Word of God and the Bibles out to people in their languages. And two, uh, to provide humanitarian aid as we have opportunity. Mm-hmm. And um, and and the Bibles, however, continues to be the Word of God in the hands of people in their languages, whether it's schools or camps or uh, government agencies or wherever. Um, churches, uh, that is the primary focus that Eastern European Mission has always mm-hmm. had and still has even today. So that's what you do. Uh, Are you any good at what you do?
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's when you're uncomfortable answering, you know? It's kind of like, well, if I say that I'm good, then... Talk
0: about yourself for a little bit. Quite
2: quite, quite a lot of hubris there, you know? (laughs) Right. But, uh, well, you know, I can't answer that question, are we any good? Um, But let me just give you some stats, some facts and figures, and that might help a little bit with that. Um, First of all, as I pointed out... uh, Last year was our highest year ever at 1.529 million volumes distributed. And you see from 2018 on through 2021 that growth in Bibles. Um, Before that, it was even lower. In 2009, if we could get 200,000 out, we were excited, you know. Mm. But to be able to distribute on an ongoing basis more and more every single year has been powerful for us. I mean, it just motivates us like you would not believe because it tells us that people are hungry for God's Word. Right. And the requests far outnumber what we can distribute because of funding. But this year, at the end of our third quarter, uh, boy, that one disappeared there. Uh, boy, I need to make that font smaller, didn't I? Well, you saw the, you saw the figures beforehand. Uh, 1.529 million at the end of last year. Right now, well, the end of the third quarter, we were at 1.67 million
0: distributed. So far in 2022. So far
2: in 2022, we have done that. And again, as I mentioned, here's our publishing and production team. And two of them are part-timers. And here is our regional directors, national directors of uh, operations in Europe itself. Uh, Jura Lazar just hired Jura uh, from Vrajdin, Croatia. He was with Croatia for Christ. We stole him and um, we're trying to be very nice to Croatia for Christ for letting us steal him like that. Uh, Dimitrios Agriupoulos say that ten times real fast. Uh, in Greece, he's in charge of the southern Balkans. Uh, Dasha Novakova is in uh, Ukraine, uh, in charge of the Ukrainian operations. Oleg Yakimenko, who is in St. Petersburg, Russia. Um, and that's those are our folks. Uh, and there are some part-timers that work for them, underneath them.
0: Right, and it's just amazing to me that you're uh, distribute distribution of Bibles went up, not down, in the midst of the pandemic years.
2: Oh, that was the most amazing thing. Yeah, schools still, even though they weren't in session, they said, Well, we expect our Bibles still, you know. Uh, and that's that's one thing I'll throw out there is some of you understand that we put Bibles in public schools at their requests, right? You know, yeah. it's it's not tell people at times, we don't, it's not like we have a guy standing by a school with a trench coat on saying, hey, kid, you want a Bible? No, it's, it's that schools are requesting. Three-quarters of all public schools in Ukraine use our Bibles as textbooks to teach ethics and character. Right. Even in Odessa, we got a call from Odessa a few weeks ago, Ukraine. Ukraine, not yeah, Texas. Not, not Texas, uh, Odessa, Ukraine. And they said, um, you know, we, we asked for Bibles this year. And our staff was going. You, are you meeting for school? They said, "Yeah." And we want our Bibles. We said, okay, we'll get them to you. We, right. you know, with all this upheaval, we didn't know how many schools were opening up, and so we sent them a large. And I've amount. shown
0: pictures here before. Uh, Don, uh, Tommy and Donnie Cook have been to Ukraine. Many others have the Russos. Others, and um, you know, when I went with the youth Bible camps that you were involved with as well, the big day of the two weeks we were there was Bible Day. And that's when we handed out bags of, they had a a children's Bible, an adult Bible, Bible help books, and the kids were just clamoring for those, reading them in their spare time. It's just an incredible thing to see, the Mm -hmm. desire to have my own Bible, like you said in the first hour, something we don't understand because we've always had multiple Bibles, but this is for them their first Bible, and and Eastern European mission uh, made it possible. And I know you have, I think, a picture of one of the families that was touched Mm -hmm. by that.
2: Yeah, and I'll show that in just a second. But that's one thing I want to focus on is we tend to think of Ukraine. But if you look at our, and I don't have the pie chart up here, if you look at languages that we give in and percentage-wise, Ukraine used to be a very large chunk of that pie, and Russian was a very large chunk of that pie. It's not that way anymore, and it's not because we've done less. That's because we've increased distribution, Croatia public schools and Croatians. uh, Just this year, 225,000 volumes delivered for the first time to northern Macedonia in the Macedonian language. They were ecstatic. The government was so thrilled that they did not charge import fees or any taxes for us to distribute in northern Macedonia. So they were just excited about that.
0: Amazing. Mm
2: -hmm. And... uh, This picture, uh, these two are not, we're we're not Christians. And this is uh, Constantine, Anastasia, and their little infant Tim, Timothy. They were in Mariupol, and they were cooking over an open fire in their basement because their house was gone. They knew they had to get out of there. And so they fled, and which is a very dangerous thing in and of itself, going through fields that may be mined, and they have no idea of knowing, uh, being shot at by uh, Russian soldiers. It, you just have is it, so many dangers, unknown dangers, to flee Mariupol as well as staying in Mariupol. Mm-hmm. Well, they made their way to Zaporizhia, and there they were taken care of by Christians, and they offered them some EEM Bibles and they recognized them because these kids, these young adults used to go to camp right? and they remembered those Bibles and they said please give us the adult Bibles so we did or that that group did that partners with us doing the humanitarian aid but they had our Bibles too and they gave them the Bibles and here's the cool thing this was just so amazing it's an incredible story is that Constantine, I keep wanting to say Kostya because that's a diminutive, Uh, Constantine or Kostya, he became a Christian. Now, he took Anastasia and Tim to western Ukraine where Anastasia's parents live and he left them there. Now, Anastasia has not become a Christian, but she's reading her Bible. He goes back to Zaporizhia and he says, I'm not afraid to die anymore. Tell me what I need to do to help. Mm. And he's driving a van, uh, delivering people out of conflict zones. But here's the fun part of this story. Now, I'm a geek, all right? I'm a geek. I'll admit that right up front. Um, and you know this, I'm sure. Um, most of the names, Ukrainian names and Slavic names, are actually from the Greek. Constantine is actually Greek. Timothy, uh, Dimitri. Dmitry. Uh, Demas uh, in Paul's friend Demas who turned on him uh, you see all these Alexander all of those are Greek names Anastasia is a Greek name but it's not a name actually in Greek it's Anastasis which literally means resurrection and so we're praying that Anastasia will have a moment an Anastasis moment as she's reading her text and come to decide to follow Jesus so that's what we're praying for I just, right. Right. That, that puts chills in my back I don't know about anybody
0: else well we just have a few more things before we close up which we'll do pretty soon but pretty quickly uh, one of the last questions is why should we care
2: <laughs> and that's a legitimate question um, if you don't I mean your heart may be in China and if it is that's where you need help you know, I've never seen a lighthouse attack another lighthouse. You know, the, our job is just shine wherever we're planted. Okay? But I'll tell you why I care. I care because of Constantine and Anastasia. I care because of these 16 people in Transnistria who are Ukrainian refugees who were baptized a couple of months ago after encountering Christians and after reading their Bibles. I care I care because of a guy, Demetrios, our guy in Greece. He was in Bulgaria recently, well, well, not recently, a few years back. He was in Bulgaria and he was whenever he's in Bulgaria, he's usually asked to preach at a church, and so he's at this little Romani church that for those of you who do not know, Romani is the proper name for or Roma is the proper name for the people that are um, called gypsies, all right? So he's preaching, and he says, um, everyone turn to your Bible in 1 Corinthians 13. He said, they all stood up. He said, oh, well, they're standing up for respect of the scripture, right? Except they all started moving in one direction. He thought, what did I say? And they go to this table in the corner of the room, this little old lady pulls out the drawer, pulls the only copy of the Bible, turns to 1 Corinthians 13, raises it over her head, and all the rest of the church gathered around so they could follow the reading Hmm. he said when I got my voice back I said before I get before I when I come back (coughs) excuse me (coughs) a little dryness there I'm going to make sure all of you have a Bible and all 60 of them now have their very own Bibles that's why I care right
0: right well what can we do to help
2: all right How can I help? Three things. Simply this. First and foremost, pray. This isn't about EEM. If you walk out of here saying EEM's a great ministry, we've blown it. Walk out of here saying God is a great God because he makes everything work. He's behind all of this, not us. So please, pray. The least you can do is the most you can do. Right? pray. Secondly, give. Yeah, I make no apologies about that. Yes, give. We desperately need to keep on doing what we're doing. Now, I say desperately, I don't mean we're about to fold camp or anything. We're no, we're not there. Uh we're not even close. We're God's keeping this going, and he's going to for a long time to come. But give so we can meet the need. We had over 2.4 million requests at the beginning of this year. And that has only grown, I'm sure, well past $3 by now. And we're not going to be able to fill it. So please, right now we're in the middle of of a campaign to raise $3.5 million before December 31st. Please be part of that. Please take place in that. And, you know, there's stuff out on the table if you need uh, more information on that. Please check it out. And finally, speak out. Share with others who we are, what we do. Unfortunately, we're still the best-kept secret in the United States, and that's not a good thing. There's not a time that I don't get on an airplane, and I'm flying out and says so what do you do? And I tell them, they're going, no way. (laughs) Yeah, but that's not real, is it? People really do that? Mm. I mean, schools are actually letting Bibles in?
0: Wow. right. So right. share. And sending their kids to camps where they hear about the Bible and Exactly. It, it's amazing. And this million dollar Sunday drive that you have going on till the end of the year, and you mentioned three and a half million dollars. <throat> so do the math. Seven hundred thousand Bibles, that means five bucks a Bible five still. Bucks a Bible.
2: Still. Even right. with the economic downturns.
0: Right. God did some amazing things there. So for every five dollars that we give, it's another Bible. And uh, that, is, that is an incredible, incredible thing. Any last words before we close?
2: Yeah, first of all, thank you so much for partnering with us. Um, you are not, we're not doing this, okay? We can't do it without you. So when you hear a thank you from someone in Ukraine... Um, Dasha Novakova just says, you know, she says, "Thank you so much for mm-hmm. caring for us in Ukraine." Or we get a, a letter from someone who's received a Bible. that says, "Oh, this has made a difference in my life. Thank you so much." They're not thanking us; they're right. thanking you. That's right. I I talked to a, a an Iranian. i mentioned this in the Bible class, and I'll I'll make it the real abbreviated. Um, his name was Massoud. He was in Vienna, a refugee. Became a Christian, him and his wife. Became a Christian. And he said, thank you. And I asked him, what do you want us to tell the donors that make these Bibles available in Farsi, in his language? He said, thank, tell them thank you for providing us with the words of life in our native Farsi. Folks, Can you imagine if you never had the Bible in your own language and suddenly someone made it available
0: for you? You've done that. Thank you so much. Right. As we close today, one more scripture, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing the message of Christ. Mm -hmm. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so this morning, if you're touched by the word of God, or if you want to know more about it, um, or if you want to get back to serving the Lord the way we're challenged to serve, including in this message today. And we can help you there. Come as we stand and sing our song together.
4: I stand to praise
0: you. I call to my name. so blessed to be here today. Thank you for this time that we have to come together as your church and and, uh, study your word, uh, sing songs to you, and just worship you. Father, as we leave here today, I pray that you are with each of us. uh, Watch over us, keep us safe, and give us chances to serve you each and every day. Father, most of all, we are thankful thankful for your son who died on the cross for our sins, and we pray this in, in his name. Amen.